Hello and welcome to this very special bonus episode of the Penny Lane Podcast. This episode, I interview my friend Will, who is really an expert on crypto and NFT. I've known him 10 years. He's friends with my husband and we did a lot of fish tour together. So um, he's a great friend of mine and he was kind enough to walk me through my entire NFT project. So my NFTs will be launching on February 9th at six o'clock. So this episode goes through instructions on how to set up a wallet, how to buy them, why you might want to buy an NFT. Um, Also, we've included all the instructions in the show notes. So this is a great episode, even if you don't want to buy my NFT, which no pressure, um, it does explain them very well. We also talk about um, the different currencies for buying NFTs and why why we're doing this all the way that we're doing it. So I encourage you to listen to it. Also, this is our first episode that a fan of the Penny Lane podcast has sponsored, which is an option that I've been looking into, letting you guys pay a fee to come on and promote your business or just chat or whatever. And this is our first time and I loved it. So this episode is sponsored by our usual sponsors, Pennies Going In Raw and Last Bottle Wines, but also Bored Dude NFT. Um, He's also an NFT creator, and we do a little pre-interview with him about his project, how he got into it. He's also a trader. He's just a delight. You guys are going to like that part. So enjoy the episode. Thank you. The stock market is hotter than ever right now, and traders are taking advantage. But what does that mean for the people who still haven't started trading? The market can be a little intimidating at first, but you don't have to be alone in the learning experience. We at the Pennies Going In Raw podcast are here to help you. I'm Dan, and with my co-host, Hugh Henney, we make the stock market a fun but informative experience for our listeners. We offer knowledge for all levels of traders, from beginners to those who do it full-time. On PGIR, we discuss up-to-date news about the stock market and interview other traders who all started out just like us and made it big. You'll hear from Hugh and other multi-millionaire traders, founders and CEOs of companies, Fintwit superstars, and even professional athletes. Have you ever thought about investing your hard-earned cash but don't know where to start? Do you have money just sitting in your savings account collecting dust? We were all there once, too. Listen to Pennies Going In Raw on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joe, hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. I just saw your your recent success on the New York Times, so. Oh, thanks. (laughs) That was really fun. I'm so starting at the you're top, our I guess. first like individual sponsor, so vi- extra welcome to you. Awesome, that's that's very awesome, and I, I've been following your um, your show and your um, your trading antics. So I thought, what better than to um, hop on in and help you out? Well, I really appreciate that. So you're on our NFT episode because you have an NFT. Yes, I uh, just created it more more so as a joke, but um, it's it's kind of kind of fun to do. So uh, I just uh, it's I I made it when I was bored, hence the name Bored Dude NFT. So 
I have 50 of them out right now. I'm oh. selling them for super cheap. Uh, I think it's like 0.01 ETH, which is like well, 20 bucks or something. So if I, if I sell one, I'll be happy. If I sell five, I'll be ecstatic. So That's amazing. Now, have you sold any? No, I have not sold any. Okay. I'm also creating NFTs, which is why we're having this episode with the person who's helping me get them uploaded and everything. Why did you choose Ethereum? Um, that's really the only one that I'm comfortable with. So I already had my MetaMask wallet set up on OpenSea. Um, I like to buy them on uh, Nifty Gateway, but obviously I can't just post you know, random stuff on Nifty Gateway uh, like you can on OpenSea. So I think OpenSea is a little bit better for um, beginners, um, semi, semi-amateurs, <laughs> as I'll call it. Um, but really, that's the only one that I am familiar with and know of. So if you know any more, definitely shoot it my way. I will know more after this episode, so I'll give you, a, <laughs> I'll give you the download. So um, what software did you use to create the NFTs? I um, used an app on my phone. Oh. Let me pull it up here. I didn't know there was an app on your phone. Yes. So I just, I just used the Procreate Pocket. Procreate Pocket. Yep. Very cool. You can draw I'm... pretty much anything, anything on there. There's plenty of tools and stuff. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not a very good artist, so I stuck with like the digital type, um, little, little dude here and I'm actually thinking about doing, so I have 50 done. The first 25 were like my basic dudes, like, you know, a guy with a, a cigarette or just a dude with, you know, hair or beard or, you know, whatever. And then the second 25 I did were more of celebrities. So I did some Island Boys, I did uh, Mr. T, um, Hulk Hogan, just like, just random, you know, celebrities. And I'm thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some, um, some FinTwit uh, personalities. So cool. I think I'll do that for maybe at least 10, maybe 20 of those. Um, and that should be fun too. So fun. Now you must have some kind of artistic background. I was a really good drawer in seventh grade. <laughs> Claim to fame. I love yep. it. I love Absolutely. it. So on this app, are you like using, so mine are hand, but I'm a painter. Yeah. But mine are, I'm not using any pre-existing shapes. Like I'm creating everything yep. with my hands. Are you doing that as well? Yes. So okay. on this one, I'm just doing it with my finger on my phone. And it's, I don't know, that's just, that, that's all I know. So that's what I did. What what program are you using? I have um, a Surface. I bought a Surface Pro yep. tablet with the mm -hmm. pen. Okay. And then I don't know actually the name of the software, um, but I did a lot of research on like it's essentially like Photoshop, but Photoshop Lite. And yep. I ha I know I'm also a photographer, so I know how to use Photoshop. But but I really like this. Um, app because it gives you all the tools that I use in my studio, like crayons, pencils, gouache, uh, oil paint, all the things that I would normally use. So I'm, I like it. Yeah. You'll have to look, look it up and send it to me with, um, with what you use. So I, yeah. I, I, it's very, 
it's very therapeutic and, and my wife will sit on the couch like, and I, I'm doing this like, well, at night, you know, I have two kids that are three and five. So once they go to bed, we're just chilling, watching TV, you know, Netflix or whatever. And I'll just, you know, I'll just start doing it. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's more of a hobby than anything, like I said. So, I mean, I figured there's really no cost up front with it. So if I sell one, great. If, you know, it's whatever. So I'm, I'm not really too, I don't have any money, you know, per se, you know, invested in it. So it's fun to do. It's, you know, they're, they're kind of funny. I, I made a Mr. T one. It's, I think that was pretty good. So. Well, I, I'm excited to check them out and guys will link them in the show notes and we're showing you one on the screen right now. Um, I hope that I hope you sell a billion. I hope, you know, pay for your kid's college with this. <laughs> that would, but that would be amazing. If not, Lord, do I know the therapy that drawing brings and creating brings. Oh, so absolutely. If the only thing you get out of this is a sense of calm from creating them, I think total win. Yep. Absolutely. I like it. Especially, especially after a bad day of trading, no, there's nothing better than to just kind of clear your thoughts and kind of move on. So for sure. There's so many days I just rip cord at noon and I'm like, I got to go to the studio. I can't like, I got to use the other part of my brain because yeah. Hey, green day today. I saw congratulations. Thank That's, you. Is that two or three days in a row now, right? Friday's maybe third. It's either three or four. So, I mean, I'm trying to make $200 a day for a while. Yeah. And 48 then, grand a year. Then we'll, We'll see what happens from there, but I've been lacking consistency, so <laughs> trying to really not make too much. But um, yeah, I got into trouble with like when I first started. I was like, I make a thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Hey, like, mm 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 mm. Yeah. I need I, green is better than nothing. Just keep totally. it green because I don't know when you when you start risking heavy. I, I've been there. I, I've had eleven thousand dollar losses on a day, and it's it makes you really it makes you want to throw up. And I, I did it up. completely backwards. I it's a long story, but I started I started off the wrong way, and I paid for it in the beginning. So I've since then bounced back, you know, over the last year and a half or so. But it's it, it's definitely you know you need you need you need something to kind of you know calm your calm yourself down. You know, but, yep. you know, at, when on, on a red day like that. Yep. I've had them too. I had a huge loss on my birthday. I mean, just like, can the universe the give me a win on yeah, my birthday? Yeah, on your birthday, yeah. That <laughs> yep. should have been like a $1,000 day. Yeah, I think I lost $4,000 that day. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sponsoring the episode. You're delightful to talk to. And honestly, I'd love to hear more about your trading journey. So let's, yeah, absolutely. let's Sign talk me up. about that after this. But um, sure. thank you. Yep. Thanks for All having right. me. All right, guys. Wasn't that a wonderful interview with Bored Dude NFT? Make sure that you click the show notes and get all of his information and support his project. And now we go into the interview with my friend, Will. Will, hi. Welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. Hi. Thank you. This is a very um, exciting episode because you're my first real-life friend that's been on. Fun. 
Yeah, we had one other person who I know in real life, but we never hung out. So I'll take I'm excited. Yeah. Awesome. So how's how's life going? How's <laughs> how's the pandemic treating you? The pandemic is interesting, as I'm sure it is for everybody, making life a little difficult, of course. Um, but other than that, things are great. We just had our baby, our second baby. Congratulations. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just trying to build a house in Sonoma County. So that's kind of tricky. And also high demand. Yeah. But we're here on that as well. But yeah, things are good. Cool. Has your wine consumption gone up since you moved? You know, it hasn't really because Haley got pregnant pretty shortly after we moved here. So um, now that she's in the clear, maybe that'll pick up. But um, I would think the supply would be really unmatched. You know, it's really nice. And, and, and that goes kind of where, you know, without saying we kind of live in the land of milk and honey, so to speak. So, yeah, the resources are great here. Um, and my brother actually used to be a sommelier. So he's got all the knowledge. So when we go out to eat, he's normally the one picking the wine. And I'm kind of just enjoying. But everything seems to be pretty good here so far. How is Mac? Is he still gluten-free? <clears throat> he's gluten-free. He also just had, there we go. He had a child about nine months ago. So, uh, yeah, he's he's got a little one that, that plays with Miles a little bit now. And I think that Reed and him will be tight growing up. It'll be cool. next to each other. Yeah. So... When I was at your wedding, thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> I really loved Mac's toast. And I think it's I like Jimmy and I talk about it a lot. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It was a fantastic he, toast. He really, he really set the bar. It was tough because at his wedding, I don't think that mine was as good as his. But um, <laughs> he really set the bar high. It was good. He really had us in the palm of his hand. Um, yeah, he did. He did. But he talks so much about how you have been an entrepreneur, hard word, uh, from a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. And even just Jimmy and I have been together for 10 years. And in the 10 years I've known you, I've seen you go through several cycles of, uh, whew, I'm going to try again, entrepreneurship. Right. It's a tough one. Um, that seems to be very in your blood. And I love that in a person. Yeah, you know, so. um, without stretching back too far, you know, in college, we had a few ideas. We actually, um, we being my first business partner in college was John Meyer, actually. And we started this company called Craving Search. And it was essentially what Grubhub is now, but a little bit more specific. I still do think there's room for it to exist. But it was, um, you know, a menu search engine for local restaurants in your area for a specific item that you were craving. Um, now that obviously was one of our first projects and more of a learning experience than anything, but it's hard to necessarily um, get your vision done by other developers. So uh, that was a very first learning experience that you kind of need to do things on your own. And then we tried to start a company called Charity Jelly, um, which is like a charity auction. And then that kind of led me down the path of uh, creating this company called MixMe. Um, and MixMe kind of led me down the rabbit hole of crypto. So with MixMe, it was an online independent music discovery platform. Um, and we still might circle back around to it. Actually, 
we've been coming up with ideas of how we can improve it and, live it and make it live on the blockchain. Uh, but basically, it was a music discovery platform where people could make mixtapes of independent artists and kind of share them and upvote them and uh, kind of get exposure to bands that they wouldn't otherwise have, you know, from um, companies like Pandora or Spotify, etc. So with Mix Me, our idea was to, to kind of have a token um, so you could potentially buy merchandise from these artists and also support them by buying their music and or tipping them based on the play of you kind of walking down the street in New York and you see a, a banjo peddler and you say, hey, here's a dollar. Keep it up. That sounds really good. Um, and that kind of led me to this um blockchain project called ethereum and ethereum was a place where you could kind of tokenize your company is a place where you can do that so it kind of seemed like a perfect fit and then doing more research that led me to the bitcoin rabbit hole and um this was in late 2015 and bitcoin at the time was you know i think like 250 dollars and uh it really just sparked all sorts of curiosity. It's like, what is this? Why aren't more people into this? And yeah, it's kind of, I haven't turned back, you know, as soon as, as soon as I got into Bitcoin and Ethereum, things were very volatile with the market, but they were also very new still. And um, when I started making more money in crypto, I kind of put Mix Me on the back burner um, because of the obvious. You only have so much time. And um, out of that, in 2015, I was telling all my friends to buy Bitcoin and to buy some Ethereum and just to have some just in case it does do well. And in 2017, you know, Bitcoin went to, to $20,000. So um, my phone wouldn't stop ringing. You know, it was like all my friends and family were like, I should have listened to you. You know, what do I need to buy now? Like, what's going on with these markets? And um, I kind of was little overwhelmed and also didn't want to always give away all my information so i started a consultancy called cryptoadvisory.com fantastic which is where we kind of uh do one-on-one -on -one personal experience and, and and help people understand how blockchain can can help them and or their company so that's oh i didn't know you did that <laughs> but that's very cool yeah so that's what i do now hopefully i can maybe pitch the brand and sell the brand someday to, to Visa and stuff like that. We'll see. But um, the idea is, uh, you know, you can come to us for, for some help and for some knowledge and, and we'll help you. Another thing that <clears throat> I've always really liked about you is your risk tolerance. <laughs> yes, very high. Yeah, very high. Yeah. It, which I like. I also have a very high risk tolerance and I'm, I like enjoy that so much about people like you're swinging for the fences and i'm into it you know they <laughs> yeah. they don't really want you know they don't really want you to do that so to speak right but crypto and that's kind of what's interesting about crypto is like you can kind of take these risks without being an accredited accredited investor right and still kind of gain you know those percentages those same percentages right so um you know, if you have, I think it's a million dollars in the bank and you're accredited, you can invest in a lot of seed rounds and you can get ahead a lot easier than the little guy. So like in, two, in 2017, 
and 2016. Uh, there's a lot of ICOs going around for these other coins that aren't Bitcoin. They're called alternative currencies, altcoins. Are ICOs the same as IPOs? Yeah, it, like initial, it's an yeah. initial coin offering, right? So it's a way that they can raise money, basically, uh, for their project. And in doing so, there's they'll allocate um, tokens depending on the amount that you um, put in the ICO, right? So I could put in one Bitcoin and get 40,000 X tokens, and then those X tokens could eventually be worth way more or it could be worth worth less it's kind of the risk right than the bitcoin that you put in fascinating that was kind of the, the start of it for me down the down the rabbit hole and then it kind of just has, has been non-stop i mean literally every day in crypto is uh is exciting and not always for the for the best so um it's definitely very very high risk and um also very rewarding if you spend your time in the right projects you know um and very interesting you know the, the whole shift and of course that most people have probably seen it with facebook changing to meta and um, other brands kind of catching on to the nft buzz um which is really just scratching the surface of what an nft is and or can do you know um well, thank you so much for bringing us here in this conversation. You really, you really helped me out on this interview since we really are here to talk about NFTs. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that um, that's an important one. You know, I think that people are, you know, I think Google's search terms are up on, you know, what is an NFT over what is Bitcoin these days, which is a pretty big thing. So, um People are curious, you know, people are interested, you know, some people obviously, just like in any industry, consider certain things scams, you know, of course, there probably are some scams, any industry that has, you know, booming with money is going to have scams too. But when you look under the hood of some of these projects, um, there actually is some utility and some good reason behind them. So I encourage people to do that. Well, so I reached out to you because I wanted to do an NFT collection. And I was actually, uh, the podcast was in the New York Times last week, which is awesome. very exciting. Very and I was talking to that reporter just about like why I started the podcast and this journey I've been on. And then that I said I was going to start some NFTs because when I often say on the podcast, like, the best trades are the ones that just hit you in the face of like, if you don't take this trade, then you're dumb. And it's very similar with the NFT. Like I, I know about the markets. I have a podcast about trading and we go over crypto sometimes and I'm an artist. Like it's like the universe being like, yeah, you should, you should try this. Yeah. And the entry fee is, or the barrier to entry is nothing. So do I want to look back in 15 years and be like, that, that was dumb, right. which I don't. I don't like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, well, clearly society is kind of transitioning into this cashless society, um, you know, for better or for worse, again, you know. Um, but I think that it's important to kind of understand where things are going. And it's also interesting for, for independent artists like yourself you know, NFTs are really providing this place, you know, people can actually uh, 
get more reach and, and, and have more followers and, and more collectors, so to speak, than they ever have before, you know? Um, and I think that that's really important, you know, like circling back around to mix me, we were going to do that for music, you know, what NFTs are doing for artists, for independent artists is amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's really amazing to watch. So, um, I think that it's a no brainer to kind of start having, you know, an NFT collection and you have some physical items and, and, you know, you can kind of have and be versatile and, and all and all mediums as an artist to kind of get the most exposure, right? I think that that's important. And, you know, there's a lot of different things happening in the NFT space. You know, there's even, you know, these games and 3D transferable assets and things like that. And, uh, you know, all these generative collections like crypto punks and board apes and things like that, you know, and all that kind of hype wave kind of, reminds me of when i was younger when we had like uh you know i collected like x-men cards and baseball cards and that kind of stuff and like with these generative generative collections you know um what happens is they'll do like an on sale so they'll be like on this day we're launching and we're only going to do ten thousand of these and we're going to sell them at x price and after they sold out they sold out and then they're forced over to the secondary market if you wanted to buy one and typically at a premium so What's cool about that is when you, for most projects, not all, but uh, when you connect your wallet and you click mint, which is kind of like, I'm going to buy this NFT, it kind of is a randomizer where it picks one out of the collection and you don't know how rare it is, right? So if I'm going to go and buy, um, you know, let's see, we can use my project, for example, we have, um, it's called Aether Playground. And um, when you came to buy a Bitbird from our collection, you sync up your wallet, you click how many eggs that you want to buy, so 1 through 20, and you click Mint. And what happens is, is it pulls it out of uh, the collection at a random province hash, and um, you don't know what you're getting, right? So out of 1 out of... 7,000, the birds are ranked based on the rarities on the backend metadata of that actual image. So um, on the secondary market, depending on which one you have, some would be sold for more and some would be sold for less, depending on how rare the traits are. So to back that up a little bit, for a generative collection, think of it as like, okay, you're taking a mannequin and you're adding you know, attributes and then you're adding different layers to those attributes so you know for for us we did what's called these bit birds um and you can look them up on object which is where we're going to launch your collection as well on the tezos ecosystem you take this mannequin and you create these layers so for us we had nine different attributes so you know different headwear different shoe wear different um eyewear different expressions stuff like that and Basically, you use an AI generator, artificial intelligence generator, to uh, create whatever number of combinations that you want. So we did 7,000, but you also, on the back end, you set the attribute levels from 1 to a 10, 10 being most common, 1 being most rare. So, for instance, with our collection, you know, certain sneakers um, are more rare, certain headpieces are more rare, and stuff like that. So then the AI puts them together, the, the 7,000 images, and some 
have really rare attributes and then some have more common ones and the ones that are more rare or more valued on the secondary marketplace. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So that's kind of how, um, you know, these punks and bored apes and things like that uh, gained their popularity originally. Uh, but correlating that to opening a pack of, you know, X-Men cards or baseball cards. You know, if I if I bought this pack of baseball cards and I opened it, I don't know what I'm going to get, you know. So it's kind of exciting. It adds this thrill. Um, so, like, if I open this pack of baseball cards, like, did I get the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card or did I get the Mark McGuire? You know what I mean? You don't know what you've got. So, but your, your pack may have that, you know, very special card in it. Um, and that's kind of the fun of the generative collection. Um, now, as far as other collections go, uh, hand-drawn, you know, photography, um, you know, different GIF images, kind of, you know, moving images and collections and stuff like that. There's a lot of pixel art collections. Um, yep. And I feel like you're, you're kind of nailing it with bringing in your art into a collection because um, right now, I feel like photography and paintings and things like that are kind of pick up speed. And, and your collection obviously isn't a generative collection. Your collection is a it's a hand uh, painted collection, and um, you know that obviously brings in different values too. So there's kind of room for all independent artists to to thrive in this industry. And I think that that's showing a very powerful use case of what NFTs are and can be. You know. Now, one thing I'm concerned about is bridging the gap between, like, my collectors um, buy physical pieces. So I am a little bit concerned on, like, bringing them over versus people who are already in the space who would not really know anything about me. Like, I am a physical piece artist. Right. So, you know... And that's kind of the thing, like when you're getting into the NFT space, um, kind of learning your demographic and things like that are definitely going to be different than your regular collectors. And um, I think a lot of people try to find like shortcuts and things like that. They're like, okay, I'm going to drop this project and then everyone's going to buy it. And it's really like you can't you can't really like buy marketing for that. You, you just pretty much have to put in time right into this new space. Um, so like talking about your art and your story and why you're creating this for the nft space and, and kind of having like we've been talking about and kind of having an idea of what you want to do with your collection um and then finding the people that um are into that you know there's people that just go to these secondary marketplaces and just look for neat new art all, all the time all day long you know bridging the gap from your regular collectors that want a tangible piece you know to a digital piece um should be pretty seamless, not only because of potential price point, but also because potentially these digital uh, pieces could be could be more valuable in the future, you know. Um, and that's kind of hard for people to wrap their head around, but it's it's actually true, you know. Irrational exuberance. When it comes to killer wine at drastically low prices, 30 to 70% off retail and free shipping. We live for that here at Last Bottle Wines. Whether you went long or short on GameStop, you'll need a glass of something terrifically tasty. And we've got the goods. Last Bottle is a daily wine site based in Napa, California. One wine every day at Black Swan event prices. Usually 30 to 70% off. Until poof, it's gone. 
Whether you're a pound-the-table type, think ultra-crisp, quaffable Sauvignon Blanc, or a dividend aristocrat, Burgundy, or Napa Cab, there simply is no better place to buy wine on the web. And they always have free shipping. Last Bottle has a deal just for Penny Lane listeners. Use promo code PENNY, that's P-E-N-N-Y, to save 10% off your next order with Last Bottle. The code is good for one order and one order only, and it expires March 11th, 2022. So head over to lastbottlewines.com today. That's lastbottlewines.com. So another thing that I want to do is I'm, so it's a collection about robots, which really um, came about super organically. I started a new physical art collection in 2022 and my nephews asked for robots for Christmas. So I did all, all kind of robot research or whatever. And then my kids got robots and they got robots and we robot battled all Christmas Eve and I just like got really into them. So the new art collection I just dropped has robots. And then these are more specific like line drawing robots. But I have a lot of nieces and nephews. So I've named the robots after my nieces and nephews. And I was wondering if it was possible to like gift the original NFT to my nieces and nephews, like just in case. Yeah. So when we go, because you're not a generative collection, um, really we can do anything. So if we're going to, if we're going to mint, you know, 15, we're going to be 15 pieces and 10 of each, right? Yes. So you can put the you can mint 10 of of one piece and then sell nine and keep keep one and potentially give that to your to your nieces and nephews of each one cool yeah i mean what if they're worth like a million bucks and it's aunt blaine's like the best aunt ever yeah well initially that's that's pretty valuable to me yeah i mean (laughs) i mean initially um you're gonna have a set value right that we kind of talked about and um you'll have those those 10 of 15, 10 copies of each 15 um, pieces of art. And then once those are sold, it's up to the secondary market to value them, right? So if the people that, that bought one are like, I'm never selling this, then it's gonna be hard for someone to acquire one, which is of course just um, supply and demand, right? It's your basics. So. Yeah, I mean, there's potential, you know, the sky's the limit, right? So um, if I feel like this piece that I bought from you is worth way more than the next person, then I'm not going to sell it, you know, and I'm going to hold on to it until, you know, five years, what, however long I feel like I want to hold on to it. I might just hold on to it forever, you know? So I also like the idea of you putting out uh, 15 pieces and, and me trying to collect one of each of those pieces, you know, to complete the collection. So... Um, oh, very cool. I think that that's neat. And I do think, you know, uh, what's cool about doing an NFT collection is that you can kind of reward your holders, right? So if someone, let's say you wanted to do an airdrop once a month to your holders and, and they were going to get a new piece of Blaine art in their wallets just by holding, you know, two pieces of your art or even one piece, you know, it's totally up to you, you know, kind of keeping incentives to to hold a piece of your art. I like that. Yes. And then 
In the future, we had talked about possibly doing physical and NFT pieces to collectors. Yeah. So, you know, a way that you can do that, and it does get a little tricky with that, but um, I would do more of like a one of one, right? So um, you could do an auction and set your reserve at X price and say, um, you know, this is what will take minimal for this auction. Of course, it'll probably sell for more. But then whoever wins that auction also can redeem the physical piece. Now, what's interesting about that is that the person that redeems that NFT has the digital and then they have the physical. So if they ever wanted to sell that digital, they still could and they still have the physical. But that digital might end up be worth more in the long run than that physical. So it's probably smart for that person to keep both. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to, right? They might say, hey, I got my tangible piece. I don't need this digital piece. It is what it is. But they're both one of ones, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it gets a little tricky, but I do think that um, that's also a fun possibility. And you see that quite often. Um, Another, I've reached an interesting place in my actual art painting career in that I'm seeing my paintings being sold on the secondary market for an increased value, which is cool for any living artist to be able to like live through that. But um, I've seen them on Cherish and eBay and they're certified by me. So there's already an incentive, I think, to invest in the art. I actually, I'm doing a custom piece for someone just right now, I had a consultation with them yesterday, and the pre the pieces rise ten percent in value year over year, and that like that's how I'm raising my prices. So I was like, this is a it is a good invest. I'm not going to stop, no. right? Yeah. So like it's a good investment for your children, your whatever. Like you can pass it down, or if you just want to get your money back, they're selling on the secondary market. So that. You, yeah. Anyways, so there's li- there's cool liquidity for your paintings. So that's good. You could sell yours for a very nice profit. Yeah, I would, you, I would, yours, I think, is the most coveted painting I've ever done. Uh, and I would never do that. So <laughs> it's it's worth more to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. You know, so it's like, say you wanted to have an art ex uh, like an exhibition online. Um, you know, it's, it's, what's neat about NFT is that, you know, it can secure the painting, you know, it's, it's trustworthy, it's easy, um, transferable, you know, it shows that, you know, you, you maintain the ownership rights of the, of the piece. Um, you know, you're basically turning your assets into, into one of a kind, um, piece of art by creating a unique digital signature. Um, so that defines the ownership of the assets and they can, that be bought and sold on the secondary. Um, you know, and I don't know if everyone's up to speed with an NFT. It, it means non-fungible token. Uh, so, it, you know, it's different than a fungible token in the sense that um, non-fungible means that they're interchangeable um, and, and, and each one represents a unique asset. And that asset could be, you know, a document, it could be a game, it could be any sort of art, it could be some media, that kind of thing. Um, kind of where I see, without getting off topic too far, kind of where I see this space being very disruptive is stuff like fractionalized real estate and 
you know, companies like Title, like for instance, like when we, we just moved to California last year, and of course, when you sell a house and buy a house, it's all this, all these documents, you know, it's the same thing when you get married, you know, you're signing documents or, you know, God forbid you get divorced or, or whatever, even when you're um, buying and selling a vehicle, right? So it's like all of this stuff, all of these could be NFTs, like, like when I, like, if I went to go buy a car and I still owed $20,000 on the car, well, then I don't technically own the NFT in my wallet yet, but the bank holds it. And then when I pay off my loan, the bank transfers, you know, potentially me, this digital asset that says I own this. And then when I sell my car, I give the NFT back to whoever I sell it to and or back to, you know, the dealership where I buy a new car. But it just seems like such a more transparent, seamless way um, and to prove to prove ownership, you know, so it seems like there's a lot of room for for the NFT space, not just on the art side, but otherwise to to emerge. And um, yeah, so I think the art is scratching the surface of what NFTs really can be. And um, I definitely think that it's very important to get involved. Now, do you have one of those frames in your house that will display your NFTs? No, I don't yet, but I, but I will. Um, so like I said, we, we are trying to build that house. So, um, when we're done, I'll, that'll be the fun part, <laughs> you know? We right. That seems really like set a nice connection there. It is. And me. you could have it rotate through all your NFTs, right? So it could, yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's awesome, you know? And there's some really cool, cool cool ones to pick from these days. So yeah, in my office or potentially the, uh, the family room. The more popular chain right now is Ethereum, but Ethereum gas fees and miner fees are so expensive that it's hard to, it's hard to ask your collectors to pay that gas. So for us, you know, we're selling $50 NFTs and if we're doing $50 NFTs on Ethereum, people are paying $70 in gas. So it's like, really, they're spending $120 to get a $50 NFT. And that just doesn't make any sense. So that's why we went with Tezos. And that's why I'm suggesting that we do that with your collection as well, where your collectors can come in and buy a $20 to $50 NFT and only pay, um, you know, less than a dollar in gas. And, and um, then both Tezos and Ethereum are very decentralized um, versus companies like Solana, which is also very popular right now, but they're more centralized, right? Meaning like Sam, the guy who owns that company could have potentially an off switch if something were to happen, whereas a decentralized network uh, won't go down. Having a less carbon footprint than other crypto, uh, you know, like striving for more sustainable options with your collection, so to speak. All into that. Yeah. Now, Let's say you're listening to this episode, you have never bought an NFT, but you know we're releasing in a few days and you wanna buy one of mine. What steps do you take? Okay, and I think that it'll be important to, um, to note that we'll add a little guide on your website with uh, kind of like a noob um, outline of how to do this, but You'll need a Temple wallet, and there's a few wallets, but this is probably the easiest. Go to templewallet.com. Um, it's just a, a browser add-on. Um, and then you'll go to object.com, and you'll click sync, and you'll sync your wallet. And to get Tezos, 
you'll have to get them from uh, Coinbase probably would be your best option. So buy some Tezos okay. and then send them to your Temple wallet and then use your Temple wallet to buy your NFTs on object. And we'll, we'll, we'll do a little guide and put that on your website. I'll put all of this in the show notes, guys. And there's a, there's a couple more topics that we wanted to cover. Yeah. Um, you know, basically what's interesting now because of the Ethereum gas fees being so high, um, marketplaces that primarily work with Ethereum like OpenSea or Rarible um, have started integrating Tezos. Um, now OpenSea and Rarible, OpenSea probably has the most liquidity, why most people launch on OpenSea, meaning they have the most buyers, uh, you know, most users. Um, so it's probably only a matter of time. Actually, OpenSea said in 2020 that they were going to integrate Tezos and they still haven't done so, but Rarible did. So when we launch your collection, you will be listed on Rarible and on Object. Um, so it's really up to your buyers which marketplace that they want to buy from. But we'll explain that in the guide on your website. Uh, but that's great for exposure because Rarible is an Ethereum was an Ethereum-based marketplace, and now they have Tezos, and um, it's only a matter of time till OpenSea lists Tezos, and um, I think more people will flock to Tezos because of the obvious: they want to pay less money and transaction fees. It's kind of an exciting point to get involved with Tezos. It's a little less saturated and um, a little bit more artist-driven. I feel like. Um, one of, one of our collections, the Bitbirds, Ether Playground Bitbirds is both on Rarible and on Object. Um, and that was our first character for the Ether Playground. We're at E-T-H-E-R Playground at, on Twitter. And then our, our new character is at ReadyPagerOnes. Um, so both characters will be part of the Ether Playground. And with Bitbird right now, I know that we touched on, you know, potential utilities for, for NFTs, you know, for our Bitbird collection. Um, right now, we're about to launch breeding. So you can basically stake, um, so to speak. You put up two Bitbirds to create a third. Um, you, you stake for seven days and then you can redeem this third uh, NFT, um, which is pretty cool use case. And then... When we launch our second character, I think down the pipeline, we have uh, a game in the works. So kind of creating more utility for um, for these NFTs, you know, which is cool. Very cool. Which we can, we can do uh, in the future, perhaps for you. You know, I just actually read that Chell is actually going to be issuing some NFTs um, through um, FTX, which is a, a larger exchange. So... I think that's pretty cool. And as you can see, it's kind of going a little bit more mainstream. Actually, Gap just launched um, a series on Object, which is the same marketplace we're going to launch your collection. And they've done fairly well. Cool. Um, it's, it's like digital sweatshirts, and um, they're actually on pretty high demand. So that's kind of cool. Um, tell your audience or to look for a guide on how to purchase one of your pieces when we drop the collection. Um, and it'll be fairly simple. It's not as scary as it sounds. Yeah, it's exciting, you know? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, even if, if nothing happens, if none of them sells, I'll I, know a lot more I, about it. I think they will because, <laughs> you know, 
people are hunting for for good art all day long on these marketplaces so i think your art's great so i think other people will too you know thank you and thank you so much for all your help in your time is there anything else that you want to promote or say well um i'm actually working with stanley mouse which is an iconic um artist he's kind of known for um his album cover art for bands like the Grateful Dead and, and journey and, and Steve Miller. And, um, he's going to be doing a drop on open sea or we are going to be doing a drop on open sea in the middle of the month. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye out for. The art is really, really neat if you're into that. And then we will be launching our second character and doing a mint drop process, um, sooner than later. And that's ready pager ones on Twitter. So right now we're kind of just leaking some teasers and kind of generating some hype. And then we'll, we'll kind of explain some details on how uh, the ready pager ones and the bit birds will kind of be used uh, in the future. So exciting. Well, make sure you let me know all that so I can, you know, tweet it out to everyone who's listened. I will for sure. And um, yeah, if we want to have a follow-up conversation and, and, uh, everybody look for the guide on Blaine's website and we'll make sure that it's a pretty seamless process to pick up one of her art pieces. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. This one. Great. Yeah. I'd love you to come back. A lot of fun. Yeah. Let me know. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, time to talk about last bottle wines. We have loved being sponsored by last bottle wines, especially Justin, who is ordering everything. My sister's getting so frustrated with all the shipments he's ordering and he just keeps ordering. You know he does. We love Last Bottle Wines because the app is user-friendly, all the wine is good, it's vetted, and it's steeply discounted. So download the app, order some wine, and uh, support the podcast. Thank you to our producer Joel Edwards and Chesley Lowe for the banjo music. Please like, subscribe, and share this on social media. We appreciate you guys. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third party materials or on third party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.